0: Welcome to Red Couch Manx. I'm Vivek Jacob, joined by Carl Mascarenas. And today we are breaking down Manchester United's 3-1 defeat to PSG. Needing a point to qualify for the next round. Really disappointing result. Neymar opened the scoring in the 6th minute. Marcus Rashford leveled scores in the 32nd before Marquinhos scored in the 69th and Neymar wrapped it up in the 91st. Carl, a tough defeat the swallow and obviously now a lot of pressure heading into that final Champions League group stage fixture against RB Leipzig
1: yeah it's a it's a story of United for the last couple of years right two steps forward one step back just when you think we're on to something we make it very difficult for ourselves now we got to go to Germany and make sure we get at least a draw the sad part about the uh, the third and final goal that PSG scored Means that we are no longer in control of first place, even if we win, since PSG now has the tiebreaker. So that's a bit disheartening, but lots to talk about in this game. What were your initial thoughts with the starting lineup? It looks like uh, for once we got the Cavani
0: call right. Yeah, Cavani did make the start, but I was pleasantly surprised with the formation. I thought Ole would retreat to the three-five-two formation just to match up with PSG. That seems to be something that he's favored, but he went with the 4-2-3-1. And I know we've been critical before saying, hey, when you're at Old Trafford, you have to have that assertiveness, that confidence in your best tactics. And 4-2-3-1 has been his trusted formation. So I'm not going to criticize him now when he does come out a bit more assertive. You had Marshall and Bruno and Rashford behind Cavani, Obviously, a big match. In a big match, it means Fred and Scott are going to be behind them, the usual suspects in the back. So pleasantly surprised there. What was disappointing was the fact that we've talked now the last few fixtures, United have made positive starts, but this was a very discouraging start, and United were definitely off the pace. Yeah, PSG
1: started really well. Just for some context with the listeners, Red Bull played Istanbul in the earlier kickoff. They managed to win 4-3. And it was a goal right at the end that clinched that victory for Red Bull. So PSG knew coming into this game that anything less than a victory puts them in a very, very bad position, right? So it looks like they came out with a little extra motivation. You could see that in the first 10 minutes, they were out of the blocks quick. It almost looked like our whole team was in quicksand compared to them. Mbappe was all over the place. Neymar looked like he was hungry and he wanted it and they got their early goal. couple of question marks. I think this is probably the first time I saw Alex Tellez make any mistake. On the far post, he let Neymar run through and uh, from a really tight angle, Neymar finished well, although has to be said the, De Gea's positioning could have been a little better. That near post, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I definitely think De Gea could have done better. I just thought he got his positioning wrong. He sort of went down to save as if the shot was coming to his left. And I think when you're protecting the post like that, you need to be protecting the shot that inevitably came from Neymar, which was to his right. And so when you go down on your right knee, I know for podcasters, for those listening to the podcast, it's going to be hard to understand what I'm describing. But the way he went down with his right knee. It makes it impossible to make that save now. If he goes down with his left knee. He's shaping differently to dive to his right. Not that there was going to be a dive there. But that creates the angle for him to make a save there. I don't know if that's going to make any sense for you listening.
1: No, yeah, I I completely get it. I think uh, for people that watch the game. I was a little surprised actually to see De Gea starting. I thought his knock on his knee. Would have been a good excuse for Ole to kind of rest the hair, even if he wasn't injured, and give Dean Henderson a good test. I think Ole missed that. We talk about man management. I think this was one of those situations where he could have, he could have used Dean Henderson. The good thing for United is this wasn't a do-or-die game for them. They still got the destiny in their own hands. They win in Germany, they're through, right? Whether it's first or second, we don't know, because now it depends on PSG's result against Istanbul. We're most likely going to see a PSG win there. So in all likelihood, United is destined for the second spot. But hey, if they lose against Red Bull, we're, we're back in the Europa League. So uh, it's crazy how you you get off to a start where you win your first two games against the toughest opposition and then one slip up against Istanbul and you're back in the doghouse, so to speak. A little disappointing for sure, but hopefully Ole can get his, his guys up for the, the contest. Now, let's just get right into, you know, one of the major talking points. Should Fred have been sent off for his headbutt?
0: Based on what we've seen over the years and the way the game is now, yeah, it should have been a red card. What I will say is the way it played out, it's kind of how I want things to play out in the future. Because we've seen so many times where the instigator goes away unscathed, and the retaliation is what's punished. So on some level, I feel there was some accounting done for the fact that Paredes was the one that instigated. So in the referee's opinion, he saw it as something that wasn't deserving as a red. Now, that is completely against the grain of how those calls usually play out. So I think based on the way that usually plays out, that absolutely should have been a red. But frankly... I would like to see more calls like that being made where you do discourage that type of instigation. I 100% agree
1: with you. You know what? looking at that. When I saw that replay, it's funny because just the head movement, I was like, okay, that's a red, right? When they zoomed in, like Fred actually didn't touch him. I think he grazed him and then, you know, Paredes made it look like he got shot, which is sadly the norm these days. It, It seems to be a PSG theme especially. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and then you almost see the reaction from the ref where he looked at it and he's like, come on, guys, what, what's happening here? Like, he just fell down like a like a house on fire. And he gave Fred the yellow. You can clearly see, like you said, Paredes instigated it. I really like the common sense that the referee used. If, if only that could become more regular, I completely agree with you that the game would be a lot better for it. People say that United got lucky. I think United got lucky with that decision just because of the precedent that's been set, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's funny, referees are, are screwed either way. If they if they give a red card, we'll be talking about how that was such a soft red, Paredes uh, instigated it, that shouldn't be a red. That's kind of the conversation we had with when Lamela hit Marcial yep. and Marcial got him back and Marcial was the one who saw red, right? We were like, yep. hey, come on, what about the first incident, right? Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about this incident where, quite frankly, the ref did what we would have wanted to happen, right? Yep. Yellow card, best of both worlds, but he's still going to get massacred for it. But I think he, this is what should be the standard going forward. So I completely agree with you. Obviously, PSG is up in arms now. They feel like the world's against them. Everything's against them. You find them arguing every single call. I thought the ref did well
0: to to ref the game, to be honest, with all that pressure. On the flip side, with United's poor start, When Fred gets the yellow there, I actually felt like it gave them a new lease on life. It's almost like they knew or at least felt like they got away with one. And then all of a sudden they came into the match. That's when United became the better side. They looked better in possession. They started to create some opportunities. And I thought that's where things really tilted in United's favor. We saw Scott McTominay get into a little bit of a one-on-one battle with Neymar and frankly i thought neymar was winning it for a little bit in the sense that you don't want neymar's antics and his play acting to rile you up and i think mctominay was getting progressively over physical with him to try and send a message and that's where i think neymar starts to win the battle kudos to mctominay he adjusted I think whether there was a conversation with him from with a teammate or uh, the manager at halftime or whatever it was, he seemed to cool things down and say, hey, I'm just going to play my game from from there on in and did a much better job. But let's roll it back a little bit and go to uh, the goal. 32nd minute, Marshall has a goal that's saved by Killer Navas. Now, this is where I actually... I'm critical of keepers like Taylor Navas where they like to be those shot stoppers and like to make things look a little more difficult than they are. And to me, that's the type of shot that I think Navas should be catching, but because he pushes it out, it creates that opportunity for United to keep the attack going. And that results in the cutback and then the eventual shot from Rashford.
1: Yeah. I, I, you know what, like just, Overall, the way Rashford plays every time Paris is in town or he's in Paris is just like a different player. He <laughs> loves playing them. I guess in in cricket, we would refer to them as like a bunny, right? And so PSG seems to be his bunny where, uh, man, what he was doing down the right-hand side, just beating players, uh, just going in and out and mm-hmm. getting some really, really good crosses in the box. Man, he was a, a delight to watch. Um, and you know what? Uh, he went for the shot. Yes, slight deflection, but you know he he made that happen. He took the shot, right? If you don't buy, you make the your lot- luck sometimes. Yeah, you need your luck. You don't buy the lottery ticket, you can't win the lottery, right? So I'm I, I was very happy with the way Martial, uh, sorry, Rashford played dots on that.
0: I agree with you. I think Rashford was really on the ball throughout this match. It seems to be that way. Uh, anytime he plays PSG. He seems to enjoy the matchup, whether he's put on the right, whether he's put as a lone striker up top, whether he's put on the left, it does not matter. He sees PSG in front of him, and there's some type of switch that goes off that we need to find a way to turn on every time he's on the pitch.
1: Speaking of switches that aren't turned on, how do you turn on Martial's switch at the moment? He seems to be completely devoid of any goal-scoring form. I mean, he missed an absolute sitter where... It was at a crucial time in the game as well. If he put that in the back of the net, who knows? Maybe Ole would have made the right decision and subbed off Fred at halftime.
0: Hey man, United are going to have a Boxing Day sale for a couple of Frenchmen. <laughs> he keeps this going. <laughs> <laughs> I think the way he's going, it's tough because you want to see a positive response when someone like Cavani is basically threatening your place in the side. I mean, let's face it, Marshall has made no secret of the fact that he wants to be the number nine, that he wants to play up top, up up front for this club. And he was given the opportunity last season and to start this season. It was his job. And he's the one who's lost it. So if he wants to go and look in the mirror and say, woe is me and sulk, then that's his problem. As far as I'm concerned, Cavani is the best striker at the club right now and Marshall really needs to up his finishing game I mean to miss that chance in the 49th minute I know we're getting ahead of ourselves here but that miss was an absolute shocker it's completely inexcusable to miss that shot you got to hit the target there man exactly that's the biggest thing how do you not hit the target on some level if you can see the man sliding in and that's what's throwing you off just take a touch And he's gone. And now you've got to tap in. Inexcusable. With the next opportunity he had, he was almost trying to make up for it by just saying, okay, I'm going to whack this one as hard as possible. And that's the one that gets blocked. But yeah, I I think for me, when you look at the long-term future of this club, if Greenwood slots into that number nine role, because I think that's his best position. I don't want him outside. I want him as the central striking option. To me, that means Marshall's on his way out because it doesn't look like he's at his happiest out on the wing and he doesn't seem to bring it. That intensity, that tenacity is just lacking from him on a consistent basis. If United ever get around to buying Jadon Sancho, then it makes him that much more expendable.
1: Yeah, I think the only thing preventing Greenwood from starting or uh, playing that number nine role is he just got to bulk up a little bit. And then uh, there's no barrier because I, I can't see Greenwood going up against the likes of a Van Dyke or Thiago Silva or or even a, a Toby Aldewald right now. I think he, he'll he get bullied by them. So I think that's the only thing preventing him and that is what's really keeping Martial in a job right now.
0: Now, there was this one chance that... Actually, there's a couple of chances I want to touch on because there was a great ball from Fred in the 42nd minute to Rashford on the counter. But that again comes back to understanding how to operate as a striker and being able to offer the best of both worlds. The only reason Fred is able to play that ball is because Cavani shows deep and has that layoff. And this is what I talked about earlier where if Cavani is the number nine up top, Rashford or whoever it is that's on the wings can play off that layoff. They can anticipate the layoff from Cavani. And now the midfielder can look ahead to whichever winger it is that's making the run. And I think that is something that opened up quite a few opportunities for United in this match. And so I wanted to highlight that chance in the 42nd minute. And then in the 45th, there was a great ball from Marshall. To Bruno where I was fully expecting Bruno to just whack it but he tried to lay it off for Cavani and just played a poor ball that was easily uh, intercepted
1: I don't have anything to add there I just very frustrated with the way we just didn't take our chances at all I mean come at halftime would you have subbed off Fred can you is there any defense for Ole for not
0: taking off Fred not really. So that, that that's the thing. We talked about just the moment where Fred could have possibly got a red. Let's talk about the fact that he was being very aggressive in this match. Mm-hmm. Even before he picked up what was eventually a yellow, he had three or four instances where he was asking for it. He was lucky to get the yellow. At halftime, if you're Ole, you're either taking him off or you're having a very stern conversation and saying... You've got 15 minutes left in this game. Don't mess it up. Because we've, we've talked several times now how Ole's subs usually come in that 60th to 70th minute. So that's why when, I would say I wasn't shocked that Fred didn't come off at halftime. But when that 60th minute rolled around, that's when I was saying, okay, now you're really playing with fire.
1: Yeah, like so I, I'm putting myself in Fred's position like as a player, right? And the manager comes up to me like, hey, you know, we got to take you off. I would be begging. I'd be like, hey, please, boss, you know, give me a chance. I'll be careful. I'm not going to slide. I'm not going to do anything, right? So, and let's be honest, Ole does trust Fred. Is that Fred's first red card for us? I don't know. I I can't remember him getting a red card. So, in any case, like, I can see the case for not taking off Fred at halftime, right? And And keep playing. But then, as the game is progressing and you're seeing... PSG wave after wave of attack coming because you know they they have no choice but to score a goal at some point you gotta just recognize that we've got Matic on the bench it's like a tailor-made replacement right there right so that's the only part I'm a little disappointed with I want to get your thoughts on this Ole Ole in the press conference mentioned if Marquinhos had bigger studs he'd have been offside it's marginal <clears throat> you can't really put your finger on the
0: deciding factors I really don't care. That's a goal to me. I don't know. If you if you want to pick at that, to, I mean, I've got plenty of bones to pick with him, right? And when I look at what PSG did with their subs, bringing on Herrera for Paredes and Bakker for Moise Keane,
1: yeah, Verratti also was taken off because he was on a yellow.
0: Yeah, that came a bit later. But, you know, I think those are the things that I look at. And I just look at Solskjaer being extremely naive. And frankly, that's looking like a theme in this Champions League, right? You win your first two, and now they've really put themselves under pressure. You look at this match in terms of uh, the decision behind Fred or the indecision with Fred. When those two subs are made in the 64th minute, you got to know the type of player Herrera is. He was at Manchester United. You got to know exactly what type of player he is. The way Neymar looks for fouls, you the way all these guys look for fouls you got to understand where the match is headed. So I thought as soon as those subs happened, it didn't necessarily have to be Matic coming on, I felt. One thing with uh, Thomas Tuchel is he definitely likes to play individual matchups. And he saw, to your point, you saw Alex Telles make his first mistake. I think he saw that as an opportunity to say, okay, we had Di Maria out wide. And they were really able to take a, take away what is usually our strength out wide in the last fixture. I'm going to put Mbappé out out, out there. I'm going to put Moise Keane in the middle. And Martial is not going to do a job defensively. Uh, I thought that was something that worked. When I look at Tuchel saying, okay, these guys are not going to do a job defensively. Let's now put the onus back on him. Okay, if I have a Van de Beek that comes on, who is going to do the defensive job on him? And so I think things like that, especially there was that little phase where PSG got a little stretched. And oh, you're yeah. saying, if you've, if you've killed this game right here, and if you can get someone as incisive as Donny van der Beek on the pitch, he probably opens up two or three more opportunities. And maybe that Marshall miss doesn't come back to Haunt United.
1: Yeah, you know what, if if I take a step back and I look at this game, yes, you know, both of us are a little frustrated with the way things went, but I mean, you look at the way we played and this, honestly, if you were to cherry pick any type of game you wanted to happen, it's this game. Our style is counter attacking. We want the other team just pressing, going for that goal, and then we just kill them on the counter, right? And let's be honest, we had that. We played, we were cutting through, we were through uh, multiple times. Cavani, wow, if that ball had gone in when it hit the crossbar, that would have been one heck of a goal, right? And so we look at this, we created the chances, we just weren't clinical enough, and I think your word of just being naive applies to both the manager and the team today. We just weren't clinical, and that's why it cost us. We're playing in Europe's premier competition against last season's finalists, right? So all in all, you know what? Yeah, we lost the game. If we were to lose a game, I don't mind losing it in this fashion, as opposed to some of the other ones where we just don't create any chances, we don't test a keeper, we lose like a one 0 performance where we haven't banged on the door and tried to break it down. After that game, I'm still
0: optimistic about what we can do moving forward. Mm. Now, 70th minute, Fred does get sent off. You know, this is what we're talking about in terms of when this when the sub should have come. Did you think that was worthy of a second yellow?
1: no no I mean he he got the ball and like and it wasn't even close he got the ball well before the player who was Andrew Herrera and Herrera knows he's very smart he knows the context of the game he knows what's happening right and so it almost had the feeling of like the refs like hey I should have sent him off I probably heard it from my assistants and everybody at halftime and so it's like he's trying to make things right because like the linesman was like right there as well, right? If the ref took some time to think about that, might have changed it. But like right away, the second yellow came and the red came out. So, I mean, in a regular game, that's not even a yellow card. That's not even a foul. I can see it these days why it is called a foul because of that follow through of where he's coming in. Let us let me put it this way. You talk about five years ago, that wouldn't have been a foul. In today's game, yes, it's a foul. But
0: I don't think it was a red card at all, to be honest. Yeah, no, I hear you on that. But I think at at the end of the day, what we said was this was asking for trouble on Ole's part. When you put yourself in that type of situation, you shouldn't be that surprised when it goes against you. He got lucky in the first half, eventually got burned in the second.
1: Ole actually uh, mentioned in his post-match conference, he's like, Fred shouldn't have put his head into words in the first half. I think he got a bit lucky to stay on the field. Uh, But when it came to the... Halftime, he said, yeah, Fred played really well. We spoke about staying calm and on your feet. The second yellow card was nowhere near a foul. Ander Herrera knows that. So that was what uh, Ole said in the press conference. I mean, then again, you know what? It's, you're tempting fate at that point, and
0: that's what happens. Then, you know, United pretty much go hell for leather. Bring on Greenwood for Cavani. Donny Van Derby comes on for Anthony Marshall." Obviously, a bit before that, Paul Pogba came on for Marcus Rashford, who might have a shoulder injury. I guess we'll yep. have to wait for an update on that, uh, on the severity of it. Even right at the end, we saw Odia galo come on for N1 Bissaka. And we'll talk about the naivety of that decision because as United are pressing and pressing and don't really make much come of it, PSG get a goal to clinch it 3-1. Neymar showed what he's capable of when he actually stays on his feet, (laughs) just in tight spaces to get out the way he did and spark that PSG counter, and then to make the run into the box to finish it off. That's the world-class Neymar that people like to see. I thought that was extremely naive from Solskjaer to sub off Wan-Bissaka just a minute before that. Because right before that, Kylian Mbappe had a chance where... Davidea had nothing but praise for Juan bissaka because you had Mbappe tearing down the left side, Lindelof sprinting as fast as he possibly could to at least say, stay within the vicinity of Mbappe. Kudos to him for the hustle, uh, even though obviously he's realistically not going to catch up. But Juan bissaka made the play to take away the pass from Neymar. And I think as a goalkeeper, in that situation, that's what you want. Take away the tap-in, and if Mbappe is going to beat me one-on-one, so be it. But let's not give away just an empty goal for someone to finish into. I thought De Gea actually came out at the right time, and Mbappe flashed the shot wide. But the fact that they were able to take away the shot from Neymar, as soon as the miss happened, De Gea went and tapped Juan Bissaka on the back. Because he's like, that's all I was asking for.
1: I completely agree with you. I think that was a great uh, breakdown of what happened on that play because we saw the counterfactual just a couple of minutes later where um, you don't have Aaron Wan-Bissaka on the field anymore. And then there's a simple cutback where Neymar had a nice, cute finish, right? Didn't didn't go for power, just went for placement. Mm -hmm. But uh, that goal that Neymar scored to make it 3-1 is so crucial. Like that is a part that just, kills me in this game is because we lose 2-1, we mirror each other because we want 2-1 and PSG. So when it comes to head-to-head, the the tiebreaker, uh, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, it's going to come down to goals for or goals against, and, and we have a much superior goal difference, right? But now PSG have the tiebreaker, and you know what? Red Bull, United, PSG all tied on nine points in the group. So uh, even though we have, you know, a plus eight goal difference, it's going to count for nothing (laughs) if PSG wins their next game. So once again, that theme, you talk about naivety, case in point.
0: We can quickly hand out the awards because I think we've covered plenty of the match. We can quickly get through the awards here. The Beckham boot is pretty much a toss-up between Fred and Ole and Anthony Who Who's your pick?
1: I would have to give it to... uh, Martial, because you know at least Fred he did some good things in the game he broke up counterattacks he even had he started so, some counterattacks for us Ole you know what he trusted his player so i can forgive him for that but Martial, i mean you talk about just uh, anything after that shot on killer Navas like just i expect a lot more from him he's not like these this budding teenager coming out of monaco anymore he's been at united for a while he's been in the league for a while like you got to expect more from him. He, We can't keep talking about him in terms of potential.
0: We need to mm-hmm. talk about him like today. Right? Yeah. So, Marcial, it is for me. I, th- I think I'm with you on that. We can call that one pretty easy. Uh, the long staff, long shot, I think we can go to Martinez. I think he did enough of that, riling up United and picking up some professional fouls and playing exactly the role that he's out there for. And then, of course, getting what was the winning goal with that shot off the corner. A bit of bit of pinball in the box, but he happened to be in the right place at the right time. And so I think he's probably the best candidate for the long staff long shot in this one.
1: Yeah, no 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 arguments there. And uh, not to mention that he also had that pretty
0: crucial block on Marcial yep. where it could have easily been two one for United. And finally, obviously the a caller, you've highlighted Marcus Rashford's performance in this match I have no arguments there he probably deserves it it's a shame that he picked up that shoulder injury probably stays on without it I just want to highlight Harry Maguire obviously defensively people will look and say United gave up three goals in this match but if you go back and watch this match I thought once again back to back this was an excellent performance from him. Really led the line. Got a bunch of headers, clearing the ball out of the box, interceptions. It was bring the ball up superbly again. There is actually one play I want to highlight specifically where Manchester United played great team defense against Kylian Mbappe. And this was in the 54th minute where the ball comes down the line on PSG's right side. And Mbappe... Picks it up. Tellez basically goes all in with a sliding tackle. But because Maguire is shading him, as soon as Tellez isn't able to get to the ball, Maguire is right there. So it takes away that opportunity for Mbappe to just go towards the goal. And then in that time, Marshall actually tracks back. So this is the one thing I'll give him credit for. So he tracks back there. And... When Mbappe does pull a move on Maguire, Martial is there to intercept. And so between those three, that was a little thing where they were able to shut him out. That starts again with Maguire being at the right place at the right time. Because if Tellez, now that he's missed that ball, if Maguire's not there, that's just asking for trouble.
1: No, that's a, that's a great point. I think Harry Maguire, ever since he got that goal against Newcastle, has been a different player. It's really given him the confidence that he needed to, to push
0: on and, And be the leader that we need him to be. Looking at the next match. That's the good thing about this. You get to (laughs) forget about it quickly in this congested fixture list. And United will play West Ham on the weekend. West Ham fifth in the table under David Moyes. And coming off a solid 2-1 win over Aston Villa in the last match. So what are maybe some of the changes you're expecting for that one?
1: Well, I think the, the most crucial one is we need to see if Rashford's fit. Because he has had some shoulder issues in the past. I'm hoping it's not a reoccurrence of any of those things, and it's just something that's minor, and he can continue. I still think that Cavani should be leading the line up top. Uh, West Ham seem to be a lot more solid at the back now. David Moyes has got them into kind of that Everton mold that he had before. He's got them playing within themselves, not stretching too much, and not trying to be too flashy. It almost seems like finally West Ham ownership has come to terms with, hey, we, we, we got this team and we got to play a certain style. We know we want to play like the Barcelonas and whoever else, but we're just not there. So let's not try to to be something we're not. And I think uh, David Boys is a good manager for something like that. I, I think, you know, the back four remains the same. So no changes there. I, I can see Fred starting now because he's not going to be able to play Champions League since he's suspended. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I can see Ole going with his 4 again, where you got Cavani up top. Rashford, if he's there, if he's not there, I can see uh, Greenwood getting the start. I don't know
0: if Donny van de Beek is in
1: the starting lineup. What do you think? I would like to see him
0: in the starting lineup. Again, just to have that incisiveness, if United are going to be in that four-two-three-one 3 one formation against a team that doesn't have those potent threats. Obviously, you know, you can argue that Miguel Antonio was possibly the hottest striker to finish that post-COVID run last season. Realistically, I would look at West Ham as just, as you said, trying to do the the hard yards and just play solid most of the time. So I think there's going to be room for a Van de Beek where you don't have to be as defensively minded and you can pick out those passes and get going. And, you know, we we didn't talk much about Bruno's performance against PSG, but I think we both acknowledge that there was at least a bit of a drop-off from the last few matches that he's had in United Red, but I can't help but say feel that some of that is because that link-up play between him and Donny van de Beek was missing.
1: Yes and no, because I mean, I don't know if that's the case. I just think the way they were set up and also the way PSG was set up, they almost looked to like nullify Bruno and it worked for them. I do think that Bruno will dictate the game against West Ham. I'm hoping that he actually starts Van de Beek with Fred and Fred goes back to the bench, but we'll see what happens.
0: I think that's going to call it for this episode. A reminder, we are on Twitter at Red Couch Manx. If you enjoy the show, we encourage you to subscribe and join us after every match. Let your friends who might be interested know about it too. Reviews and ratings are greatly appreciated. On behalf of Carl and myself, Thank you for listening to Red Couch Manx.